Tuesday Night Mystery Club. Hello and welcome to the Tuesday Night Mystery Club. I'm your host, Caitlin McCluskey, and today I'm joined with my mother, Barb McLean. Hello. Hello. Nice to be here. <laughs> so, Mom, what kind of uh, Agatha Christie experience do you have? Oh, good question. I I did see the the latest movie mid on the Mid mm. Orient Express, Mid Midnight Train, or yep. something. Murder, Murder on the Orient Murder Express. Murder on the Orient Express. Yes, that was good. And you've been listening to all the podcasts, so you're caught up. Yes, and I've been listening to the podcasts. They're great. <laughs> so this week we're doing The Body in the Library, which is another Agatha Christie, and it's specifically a Miss Marple mystery. So it's um, the episode two, The Murder in the, uh, in the Vicarage, was the first Miss Marple, and this is the second. So some of the characters are kind of the same. That's good. I liked Miss Marple. Yeah. Yeah, she's cute. So are you ready to get started? Yes. All right. So we start now with, this is a new character, her name's Mrs. Bantry, and she's asleep and she's she's kind of saying how she's in the early, it's like the early morning where you're kind of like half asleep and so your dreams are really um, like vivid and you can kind of hear what's going around around you but your body's not focusing on it, so she's in like that stage of sleep. And um, she's kind of, I think she says she's dreaming about county fairs when she is suddenly awakened by the housemaid, Mary, who says a body has been found in the library. Whoa, that would be something yeah. else so, to come out of that deep sleep. <laughs> and... Yeah. So she kind of thinks in her head, like, there's no way that's true. There's not a body in the library. But she slowly wakes up and goes, no, I did hear the maid say that. So she tries to wake up her husband and he's um, Colonel Bantry. And he doesn't believe her. He's like, you're Dolly, you're going crazy. Her first name's Dolly. So he finally, she finally convinces him to go downstairs, um, which he does. And he finds all the servants kind of huddled together at the bottom of the stairs. And some of them are crying and they all look distressed. And he's like, what's going on? What's the matter? And the, the head butler kind of goes, well, didn't Mary tell you? There's been a body found in the library. So there you go. Real body. Right. So he has to believe it then. <laughs> Yeah, so he goes and sees it, and I think then they call the they call the police. But basically, it's kind of interesting. The servants did not call the police right away. They were waiting for their master to come give the okay. Yeah, and he was sleeping. So how long did they wait until they told him? <laughs> yeah. So uh, in another part of the village, this is the same village, Saint Mary Mead. Miss Marple is in her room getting ready for the day when the telephone rings, and she kind of thinks in her head it's only eight o'clock. Like it's too early for a phone call. Most people wait till nine, nine thirty. That's an appropriate time to make a phone call. As we all know. I agree with that. <laughs> uh, and it's so, so she kind of thinks it must be a wrong number, but she answers it. And it's Mrs. Bantry who's inviting her to come over because she knows that Miss Marple is so good at solving mysteries. She wants her to come solve this murder for her. And Miss Marple's kind of like, Oh, Dolly dear. Like I, I'm not going to be of any use, but Mrs. Bantry's like, no, 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 come, come. She seems very excited that she's involved in this crime somehow. Who, Dolly seems excited? Dolly Bantry, yeah, Mrs. Bantry. Yeah. Oh, so she thinks of it all as a, a kind of a, a jaunt, something. Um, yeah. We're, we're going to be uh, solving something and it's all going to be so exciting. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, she's excited about this. 
But who's the body? That's the question. Yeah, well, they don't recognize her. So they have no idea who she is. She doesn't look like she's around from around these parts. So I think she's kind of got that like separation. Uh, but I'll tell you, okay. I'll tell you about what she looked like. Okay. So Miss Marple arrives and Mrs. Bantry shows her the body. And she's kind of explaining, they're explaining that it's a weird body. And it's because it's this. So if you remember from the last uh, Miss Marple book, The Murder at the Vicarage, um, there was something, there was a building called Old Hall, which was like the big mansion in town. And so that was lived in by Colonel Prothero, which obviously he was killed in the last story. Right. So in this story, Old Hall, this Old Hall, it's now called Gosington Hall, is now being lived in by the Bantries, Mrs. Bantry and Colonel Bantry. So it's like oh. the new owners. So it's the big house. So it's yeah. a, uh, it's a house that cursed. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> I'm not sure. So this book was written in um, 1942. I think there was like a good 10 or so years in between the two books. So there's right. a good gap. Okay. Um, but they're just explaining how this library looks. It's like an old library, like kind um, like very proper and clean and like kind of what, like when you think of a murder mystery and that old vibe, like that's what the library looks like. But the body of the girl, they describe her as kind of being, she's wearing like um, cheap old clothing, what cheap, they just call it shabby. Um, she's got like platinum blonde dyed hair. She has a lot of like heavy makeup. Um, her nails are all like short and painted um, and she's been strangled. And it kind of just, they're describing how this body doesn't seem to fit in with the library. Like it doesn't look like the type of person that he murdered in this, this type of environment. Hmm. Yeah, what were they doing in the library? Exactly. Yeah, it's this hmm. confusion. Um, like, yeah, this is the country. And this girl this girl looks like a city girl is kind of what they're describing. Like, she's, she doesn't come from a small town, they don't think. Right. Too slick, kind of. Yeah, yeah. So at kind of this time, um, they get out of the room because Colonel Melchett, the p- police chief, from again, from the last story, and Inspector Slack arrive. Um, and it continues to be that no one likes Inspector Slack. He's just too, too fast. And he kind of, if you, if you don't have the information for him, he's not going to give you the time of day. Like he's just very rude. Right. So they kind of go to inspect the body and we've already heard all that. And then Miss Marple and Mrs. Bantry are, they're sat down for breakfast while the police are with them, are looking at the body. And they're kind of discussing where they think the girl could have come from. And Miss Marple suggests this character called Basil Blake, which it made me laugh, Mom, because I was thinking about uh, your friends from school, oh, Barry Blanchard. Is right. that right? Yeah. Or, yeah, the two. What other alliteration names were there? Um, uh, Willie Wilson. Willie Wilson. <laughs> there you go. So this guy's name is Basil Blake, and he's kind of like this new guy in town who is always having like big parties that go on to like four in the morning with lots of girls and alcohol and smoking. And I think he's like a um, he's in the film industry of some kind. Like it's like that like new new thing that's going on. Right. Not a typical um, country. Uh, no. Yeah. Kind of thing. No. So he's the probably talk everyone's town. coming out from the city for it. Is that the idea? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is like, their, this is their country house type thing. Okay. Um, and he's had a, a platinum blonde girl who's been visiting him the last few weekends and staying and she's like, we'll be out sunbathing in her bathing suit, which all the old sp- spinsters, including Miss Marple, are all talking about like, Ooh, what's this right. girl doing? <laughs> <laughs> 
Right. Bikinis would have been very risque that time. Yes. Any kind of bathing suit (laughs) showing skin. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. So I think at the same time, Colonel Melchett and Colonel Bantry, so the police chief and the owner of the house, they're also discussing where this dead girl could have come from. And Melchett suggests to Bantry, um, he's kind of suggesting Bantry, uh, Colonel Bantry, were you cheating on your wife? Because like, is this were you cheating on your wife with this girl, and then something happened and you strangled her? And Bantry gets super mad that anyone would suggest that to him. No, mm-hmm. he would never do that. How dare you? Type kind of you know idea. Yeah, that would be shocking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No one wants to hear that. And at the same time, they kind of start to discuss the same thing that Miss Marple and Mrs. Bantry were discussing. They're talking about Basil Blake, um, and thinking uh, Melchett's thinking that he's going to go interview him, and Bantry. Colonel Bantry detests Basil Blake. They're just of two different worlds um, of him being like, you know, old school military gentleman guy and Basil Blake being this like young, risque partier. So they do not get along. Okay. Um, and I think a lot of the village doesn't think highly of Basil Blake, but poor guy. Particularly the old, old military school guy. Yes, yes exactly. So Colonel Melchick goes to Blake's cottage. Um, it's about a mile down the road from the hall or Gosington Hall where the Bantries live. Mm-hmm. And Blake is immediately super rude to Colonel Melchett. He has no respect for authority. He just kind of jab, like gives him all these little jabs about how like he's just rude. Like you you don't like him when you're reading the book. You're like, how can you do this to, you know, this upright police inspector? Mm-hmm. So Colonel Melchett is rightly pissed but i think he he's not arresting him he just wanted to ask him questions so he, he kind of just has to leave but as they're before he goes when they're talking a platinum blonde pulls up in a car and her and basil blake kind of are fighting over um who's a worse person and so this is kind of basil blake says well here's my blonde so whoever's in the library isn't mine like she's not with me oh wow um, so kind of we're still like where is this girl from yeah. So then they go, I think, back at the police hall, Colonel Melchett and Inspector Slack are discussing the case together. And they're kind of saying, so Miss, the night before, Mrs. Bantry had been sitting in the library reading or doing something until 10 p.m. when she had gone up to bed. Um, and then none of the, ser- they kind of say none of the servants seemed to know anything. No one saw anything at all the night before, or the morning, whatever. Hmm. Um, and that the window had been forced open with a chisel. So however someone had got it into the library was through that window. Oh, that's weird. Mm-hmm. Very weird. Mm-hmm. We have Dr. Haydock. So again, he's the same doctor from the last Miss Marple who lives in St. Mary Mead. And he's also the police surgeon. So he says that the death was between 10 p.m. and midnight is kind of the window he's giving. And she was Virgo intacta, which I was reading that. And I, I do not remember that from the first time I read these books, this book right. like years and years and years ago. Right. But I'm pretty sure it's Latin for like um, intact virginity or something like something like that. Oh, okay. You have to check that out. Yeah, I'll read, I'll read again. Um, Virgo intacta. She was Virgo intacta. I've just never heard an Agatha Christie where they talk about that. Right. But they're basically saying that like she wasn't molested. Right. Okay. Yeah. Just I just thought it was interesting. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Slack starts to go through the list of missing people in the area, and um, at this, while he's going through the list, they haven't, there hasn't been any names mentioned that kind of sound like the description of this girl. Um, Melchick gets a call, and there's a 
girl of the same description has just been reported missing at a, um, she was a dance host at a hotel in Danemouth, which is like okay. a one county over from where St. Mary Mead is, Danemouth. Oh, so they probably found their girl. They think so. It's a very similar description. So, but anyways, they're going to go over there and check it out. So Inspector Slack drives down to Danemouth and he comes back with the victim's second cousin, um, who's, who was another girl who also was a dance host at the same hotel. And so she's come to identify the body. Um, right. So they bring her, I think the body is no longer in the library. It's now in police custody, but she is able to posit- uh, positively gives an ID on the body. It is her cousin whose name is Ruby. And she, when she kind of comes out of the police office, she's looking really queasy but she doesn't look grief stricken. So they don't think that this girl was super, they weren't super attached or they weren't necessarily right. close. I guess they're your second cousins maybe. But did they, different. did they work together? Yeah. So how it had happened was, so the, the girl who came to ID the body, her name is Josie Turner. She had worked at this dance, um, dance hall hotel for about three years. And about a month before she had sprained or broken her ankle, so she could no longer dance. But in order to keep her job and not get fired, she had um, convinced management to let her call in her second cousin, Ruby, to come fill in her for her dancing position. So she also like she was a host. So she also like helped people play bridge and set up dance partners and did all of like this hosting. But um, twice a night she would give a dance performance. And so Ruby kind of took over that role. The dead girl Ruby took over that role. Oh, so Josie was still doing the hosting and playing bridge and stuff. Yeah, she was doing all the hosting responsibilities and Ruby was just doing the dancing. And I think the hotel manager had said, I'm not going to pay Ruby more. You guys have to split the same amount of money. He he doesn't seem like a great guy. (laughs) Right. He's just like super mad at her for breaking her ankle when it's kind of like, you can't click. She wasn't trying to break her ankle. Right. Huh. Mm -hmm. Does Ruby look like Josie at all? Um. I don't think so. I forget that they give what kind of description they give for Josie. Okay, so there's no say, nothing like they mistook Ruby for Josie or something. It doesn't look like it. I think Josie's um, like 10 years older than Ruby or something like that. Like Ruby was around 18 and Josie might have been closer to 30. So, oh, okay. um, and I don't think there was much familial resemblance. I'm trying to, th- I don't even know if their hair was the same color. Josie might have had brown hair, whereas Ruby had blonde hair. I see. Then it doesn't really matter. Okay. Um. So Ruby... The partner that she would do the dances with was named Raymond. Um, and they had had their dance at 10.30 the night before. Like they had danced at 10.30 and they were supposed to go back, back on at 12. And I think that was normal. They would go on at 10.30 and midnight every night. But she didn't right. show up for her 12, her 12 a.m. dance, her midnight dance. Oh, my gosh. So that's, um, that verifies the 10 to midnight. But it's amazing that she disappeared from her job when she had another dance yeah yeah no exactly and so that's I think they're kind of saying Josie's a little mad well I think we'll get more into that but um like she's upset with Ruby for not showing up for this 12 a.m dance because it's like it's her it's Josie's job that's on the line Ruby was just filling in right right um, and it also seems that Ruby changed her clothes. Like what she was wearing when she did the dance at 1030 was not what she was found dead in. Okay. Um, and then they also kind of give a more of a description of Ruby, the dead girl. They kind of say um, she was dumb. She was very popular with older men. And specifically this invalid guy who had, um, he had been paralyzed in a plane crash and lost both his legs. His name is Mr. Jefferson. And he had actually been the one who had reported her missing. 
the night hmm. before, I think Josie and some of the other people just thought that Ruby had gone off with a guy and hadn't returned that night. But Mr. Jefferson was actually worried about her. So interesting about that. Um, and then they question her. They question Josie a little bit more. And so she says she's never she's never heard the name Gosington Hall before, but says that the name Basil Blake sounds kind of familiar, but she can't place it. She's not sure where she's heard it before. Hmm. Okay. Making that connection. Yeah, a little bit. So then Inspector Slack tells Colonel Melchett that Colonel Bantry had been to the Majestic one week earlier. So the Majestic is the name of the hotel in Danmouth where Ruby and Josie dance. Oh, okay. So it's kind of, it's kind of what's happening is Inspector Slack is being like um, to his superior, Colonel Melchett, like you need to check on Colonel Bantry. You need, like you need to check on him. There's, this seems really fishy. Whereas Colonel Melchett, because he's kind of of the same class as Colonel Bantry, is trying to be like, of course it couldn't be him. There's no way it's him. It's right. not him. But right. there's this this like back and forth. Yeah, I'm having all these, um, I, I guess, ideas about how um, the assumptions that people are making that we're asked to be much more questioning about them these days. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We kind of go to, and we get a little bit of that, we go to the village of St. Mary Mead and hear from a bunch of the people that live there. And it's just, the village is just alive with gossip. Everyone is talking about, they're, they're, they're talking about how they feel sorry for Mrs. Bantry. So everyone in the village has already made the assumption that Colonel Bantry has something to do with this girl. There's something right. going on. So that's already, like, it's only hours later and that is, has started and is getting going. Right. So everyone's assumed he's guilty and the wife is innocent and... Yeah. 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 Assumptions have already been made. So Colonel Melchett, police inspector, calls Gosington Hall, the Bantry's residence, to say that he's on his way with the victim's cousin. So they want to show her the they want to show her the house and show her the library and see if she can shed any light on why this why this girl would have been there. Uh, and maybe get I think they also want the, her to see the Bantries and see if she's ever seen Colonel Bantry before. Right. Good idea. Yeah, it is a good idea. Mrs. Bantry and Miss Marple both realize, um, yeah, so th- this is what they both realize this is to see if she recognizes the colonel, um, which you're kind of, you're kind of going like Mrs. Bantry is not in the dark. She knows what's going on or what people are thinking. She just does she's not believing in herself. So she thinks her husband's innocent. She thinks her husband's innocent, but she knows how villages work. She knows what people are going to say. She's oh, okay. She's not stupid. Yep. So then Josie tells them um, how angry she was with Ruby. So this is why it's coming out. And she's also bringing up, um, I think she just brings up the name Mr. Jefferson, which um, Mrs. Bantry knows this guy. His name is Conway Jefferson. They had been Mm -hmm. friends. That like name rings a bell with her. And so I think she's kind of thinking, oh, this is an inn. We can go talk to Mr. Jefferson. We can get some information out of him. Miss Marple knows him or, or Mrs. Bantry? Mrs. Bantry yeah, Mrs. Okay. Bantry. She's like the the richer, you know, right. living in the big mansion. Okay. Knows lots of people. Okay. And Josie's acting really strange as she's talking about Mr. Jefferson. So they're kind of just noting that. Okay. And then we kind of hear the story of the Jeffersons. So what had happened was Jefferson's wife and two adult kids, like the four of them, had been in a plane together. And the plane had crashed, which had killed his wife and two kids and left him paralyzed and lost his legs. Oh, Mm, that's nasty. Yeah. Um, so there, I think Mrs. Banshee was telling Miss Marple this, and they both kind of feel that Josie is holding something back with regards to Mr. Jefferson, so they want to figure it out. Okay. So to add in some more characters, the, um, both adult kids that had died in the plane crash were married at the time. Um, so their spouses were 
the daughter had been married to a guy named Mark Gaskell, and the son had been married to a woman named Adelaide Jefferson. So both those adult, I'm calling them adult kids because it's Mr. Jefferson's kids. Yeah. Spouses now live with him. So they, they was, you know, it was, it was this huge shock and like sad thing that happened to all of them. And so they were all kind of lived together and supported each other. Oh, okay. That's interesting. The police got to visit the hotel to speak with the manager. And so because this is in two different like uh, counties, there's another police officer who kind of joins up from the other county. And his name, we'll call him the other county police guy until I, I don't know where I wrote his name. Um, so the manager of the hotel that they go to see is super annoyed with the process. He's like, does not want the police to be involved at all, even though they're going, look, dude, like this girl was murdered. Like we we're going to investigate this. And all he can think about is his business. All he can think about is his business. Exactly. So he kind of says he knows very little about Ruby. Um, he knows that, uh, she was pretty and she pleased the guest guests and that like it was Josie's second cousin and Josie had brought her in but other than that he doesn't know very much and Mm -hmm. he also says that Josie was really good at her job and that everyone had really liked her she kind of they described her at one point as like a schoolmistress. like she's very um good with people she just has the very good attitude okay um and this is when he goes like why'd she go and break her ankle like how could she (laughs) right Then Mr. Jefferson, he talks about him. He says that Mr. Jefferson was really well off and had spent a lot of money at the hotel. So he was like a very important guest. And so they they were happy to um, oblige him with lots of things and have Ruby. Ruby like hung around with them a lot. And so did Josie. Right. So next they go to visit Mr. Jefferson, but the doctor had given him a sedative. So he's still asleep. So they can't talk to him yet. Why'd the doctor give him a sedative? He was, he really liked Ruby. We're not sure to what extent yet, but it's kind of like, he's the one that reported her missing. Um, He clearly was very upset with it. So they kind of, uh, I think they, you get the idea that he has kind of bad health. um, And so they didn't want him to be overexcited for too long. So they put like, kind of put him to sleep. I see. Mm -hmm. Um, But Mrs. Adelaide Jefferson, Mr. Jefferson's son's wife, Mm -hmm. she talks to them because she's in the room and she tells them everything that had happened the night before. So, At the beginning of the night, Ruby had been sitting with um, them, so them being Mr. Jefferson and Adelaide, and they had just been talking, um, and that was before her first dance, before 10.30. Yeah. And the reason they were just chatting is because they're waiting for Mark Gaskell, like the Mr. Jefferson's daughter's spouse. Okay. I don't know how to describe them, but like the kids' kids spouses. Yeah. I've got them now. Mark Gaskell and... And Adelaide. Mark and Adelaide are the spouses of the son and daughter. Okay. Yeah. So they were waiting for him because they needed four people to play bridge. Josie was going to play bridge with them. Um, And Mark had been writing letters. Was that the house or at the hotel? This is at the hotel. They kind of live in the hotel for the summer or something. Yeah. So they're living living in some rooms in the hotel. Okay. Um, and Josie had been organizing other tables. Like she was, she was in charge of organizing tables for other people to play mm-hmm. bridge. But mm-hmm. again, because the Jeffersons were such important clients, yeah, she would also she would play a lot of games with them. Okay. So Adelaide then kind of says she hadn't really seen Ruby for the rest of the night after that first de- dance. She thinks she might have caught her a glimpse of around the dance floor around ten forty. So d- there's that big stretch of time before midnight that she had not seen her. Okay. Mark had showed up just after. Ruby's first dance at 10 30 to play bridge so he had been he had been around around 10 30 
Um, and then Raymond, the dance partner, had come by around midnight and had been super upset. And Josie had tried to, like, quiet him down. Um, and I think it was to, like, save face. Like, she didn't want the Jeffersons or any of the other clients to get upset that Ruby wasn't there. So she was trying to, like, calm Raymond down and, like, you know, bring him outside to talk about it. Okay. So after talking with Adelaide, they go to interview George Bartlett. And he seems to be the last person who had seen, um ruby alive like he had been the one who was dancing with her and they kind of get that information from other hotel staff and so they go to talk to him about that and he seems kind of slow like his answers to all the questions like they'll ask him so were you dancing with ruby and he'll go um ruby right yes oh yeah i liked that girl like she was nice and then they'll have to ask again but were you dancing with her last night and he'll go dancing oh yeah i think i i think i've seen i uh, uh i might have yeah i might have been dancing with her so like, he was very, being um, being evasive not no it just it sounds like he's just so like not with it oh, but this is how he is okay. all the time. i see but it's annoying i see and who was he again i've forgotten who's george bartlett They've, they've called him the last person to see Ruby alive. So he was just a guest at the hotel that had danced with um, Ruby around that 1040 mark. Like he had danced with her after her um, okay. her 1030 performance. Got, got it. And so he, he says, yes, he had danced with her. and they, He had kind of talked, but she didn't really talk back to him. And she had kind of been yawning. And so he kind of goes like, I think she was bored of me. So she left or I, I like <laughs> she went off and that was okay. <laughs> so poor guy. So he says that he then went out into the courtyard for some air and then he came back and got a drink at the bar um, and he had been back at around 12. Like he had been back at around midnight. But all of this, like they're asking him, what time did you go out for fresh air? And he, it's this kind of like he doesn't know. He's like, uh, I don't know, like after I danced. And then what time did you come back into the bar? And he's like, I don't know. I, would, I wasn't looking. So he's kind of useless oh, in that sense. Weird. But they do find out. Yeah, it is weird. And they also find out that he owned a car and the car had been parked in the courtyard because he says he thought he might go out for a spin that evening, like go out for a drive. And so they ask, well, did you go out for a drive? And did you like take Ruby with you? And he, again, it's this like answer of like, you kind of get out of him that no, he didn't go for a drive, but he even seems confused about it. Like he's not sure when the last time he went for a drive was. It's very weird. Yeah, I'm I'm wondering why he's not, why he's so slow about answering why he's unsure yeah. maybe yeah. he was drinking possibly but he's like this is now like middle of the day that he'd be answering these questions maybe the night before though if he had been out of it yeah I guess I mean maybe he can't remember because he was out of it yeah yeah possibly so then I go to talk to some more people that would have been around um first the night porter who like you know who's would have sat at the front desk and he says that he did not see Ruby leave or notice Mr. Bartlett at all and there were just other two other doors in the hotel, but there was a possibility that people could have gone out other doors that he wouldn't have seen them leaving or coming right. in. Right. And the barman does remember seeing Mr. Bartlett, um, but could not fix the time either. Like he wasn't, he also hadn't been paying attention to the clock, but sometime he thinks between 1030 and midnight. Um, and then this, this kid, Peter Carmody. So he's actually, Adelaide had been married once before. Um, the Jefferson guy had been her second husband. And so she yeah. had had a kid with the first husband, um, whose name is Peter Carmody. He's like nine years old. And he um, runs up to them to like ask them questions. And he kind of says like that he loves to read murder mysteries. And it's funny. He kind of like lists off the, <laughs> the, the writers that he likes to read. And one of them is Agatha Christie. <laughs> uh. so that's cute. 
a cameo she put in her yeah, own book. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and then he, he says straight up that he didn't like the dead girl, Ruby. And then he says that his mom and uncle didn't like Ruby either. And so the police are kind of like, oh, okay, tell us more about that. And he says um, that Uncle Mark had said that morning, well, it's one way out about Ruby dying. Huh. So they're they're interested in, now they're interested in Adelaide and Mark a little bit more. Yeah. I'm kind of wondering if, um, if somehow Ruby got into um, the will for this guy, uh, mm-hmm. Jefferson or something, some way got yeah. the, the spouses upset. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's one way well, out. we are about to find out because Mr. Jefferson is awake, so they're going to talk him, talk to him. Oh, okay. Um, and so as they get there, the son-in-law, Mark, tells them to not excite Mr. Jefferson because they've been told by the doctor he's a bad heart. Okay. Um, so they go into Mr. Jefferson's room. This is the police going in, and they kind of notice, even though he was a cripple and he's, like, lost his legs, he seems like a very strong, commanding personality. Like, he's, he's a... He's a personable man like you walk into the room and you feel his presence type guy right okay and he he says he had been in the process of adopt legally adopting ruby like they had started the paperwork already and that he changed his will to leave her fifty thousand pounds in 1942 money so there you go mom yeah (laughs) i guessed it okay but so he's he kind of so then he, he describes that when his, he was, he's kind of saying, I'm not one of those people that like makes my kids wait to get my money when I die. So as soon as his son, his older son had married Adelaide, he had given him half, like almost all of his fortune. He'd given him all his money so that he could like start up his own business and do whatever uh, he wanted. And then when his daughter got married, he kind of did the same, not the same with her, but he settled a large sum of money on her as well. So he's right. kind of saying... My, my, my daughter-in-law and son-in-law, like, they're not, I, they have a lot of money. I, I gave all this money to them anyway. So I wasn't, this, all this new money that I was going to leave to Ruby, I've made it since the death of my kids. Like, I, I threw myself into investing and stuff like that. So this is, right. I, I don't feel obligated to give it to them. Right. And they're not my blood. Like, it's not, yeah. it's not like they're my kids. Hmm. Maybe they feel differently. Yeah, yeah. The police, the police are kind of noting that they're going to have to look into each Adelaide and Mark's financial situation to find out, like, what's what's really going on. Um, and then he says he doesn't think that Ruby had any boyfriends because they're trying to figure out, like, who else could have, like, who else was connected to Ruby. Um, but the police don't think that Mr. Jefferson would have known. They think that if Ruby had any boyfriends, she would not have told him because he wouldn't have liked it. Right. Because he must have thought of her more as a daughter. Yeah. Yeah, there, there's there's some confusion about yeah exactly how close did he feel to her and kind of like why, but that's why that's probably why the the Adelaide and Mark didn't like her, or possibly other reasons. Hmm. So then the police leave, and when they leave, Mr. Jefferson's kind of sitting in his room thinking, and he tells the valet, his valet, to get Sir Henry Clithering to the hotel asap. So you don't know who that guy is yet, but he's being summoned pretty quickly. Okay, it's probably the lawyer. Maybe. So then the police are downstairs discussing the case when George Bartlett comes up to them and he's like in his like shine manner of like talking through things. He says that his car's been stolen or that it's not where he last left it and he hasn't seen it since the day before at lunch. Oh, you mean <laughs> the day before the murder? It's been missing since before the murder? Oh, sorry. After it's been the missing murder. Since, I guess the day of the murder. 
the day of the murder, but at lunch, the so before the murder, murder happened. Around before the murder, right. Yeah, okay. he, had for, he had gone for a drive, but he, like, he doesn't remember seeing it. He didn't go looking for it. It could have been in the courtyard all evening, but he's not sure. Right. And it was, it was a Minoan 14. So they kind of leave him with just, like, a staff sergeant to get all the information from him. And the police go to Ruby's room, where Inspector Slack has been kind of going through all her belongings and trying to find everything. And... Right. He's basically saying that he found nothing exciting. Like there's some, there's some trash in the trash bin. There's dirty underwear. She has like a couple letters from friends, but there's really not much going on. Hmm. And they, so they decide like the letters from friends, they're going to try and contact them and see if Ruby did have boyfriends. Like she would have told them. Yeah. What was her history before she came yeah. to um, help her Josie? Yeah. So she, they do know a little bit about her. She had been in another kind of hotel dance hall type place, but she was it was not nearly as fancy as the Majestic, like the place she is now. And I don't think she would have been getting paid the same kind of money. Right. So this was a step up for her. And then they kind of are thinking about Josie and how Josie must have been really pleased if she knew that Mr. Jefferson was adopting Ruby because um, like she would have probably been able to get some money out of that as well. Um, and so that's what they're kind of thinking. Maybe that's why she was mad at Ruby because if Ruby messed up by like, carrying on with a boyfriend, then right. and, and then have hitched, um, like it would have that would have made Josie upset. So they don't think Ruby would have told Josie if she did have a boyfriend because Josie would have like made her break up or like not see him anymore because it could have messed up this right. whole plan with Mr. Jefferson. Right. So then the police are. Um, they go to talk to Raymond Starr. So he's the dance partner. And he says that Ruby, the dead girl, was like a pleasant and stupid girl. So he kind of, he's, he didn't hate her. He didn't love her. He kind of just felt like middle like middle of the road. Okay. Um, and he has, they kind of questioned about the adoption. And he clearly had no idea that Ruby was being adopted by Mr. Jefferson. Um, and he thinks that Ruby didn't have the brains and that Josie probably planned the whole thing. Like he thinks that Josie probably got Ruby down here specifically for this. That's weird. That makes me think, why would he be adopting her even? Like, why did she need to be adopted? I don't know. She's not that young, is she? No, I think she's like 18. I see. Hmm. The way, the way it kind of gets described is that I think she had like a resemblance to his dead daughter. And so he's kind of taken over by that. Miss Markle uh, okay. explains it well. I'm going to I'm going to wait till she explains it later. <laughs> she doesn't factor into this. Like we haven't heard from Miss Marple. Like it's isn't she supposed to be the detective person? Yes, but she's because she's just like a little old lady. She's not really not that she's not allowed, but the police can get a lot more information. Miss Marple can't go around asking all these people for info. Uh, she see. kind of has to, has to wait to get it. I see. So she will don't, don't you worry. She'll okay. be back. <laughs> okay. We're just getting info. Um, so Raymond Starr says that Josie had been really mad um, when she found out that Ruby wasn't around for their 12 a.m., like their midnight mm-hmm. dance the night before. Yeah. And Josie had said, it will ruin all Ruby's chances and that she would never forgive Ruby if she messed things up. So those were Josie's words. Right. And then Raymond says that Josie had kind of mentioned a film man. Like um, Josie was saying, I wonder if she went off with that film man who was apparently a guy who had dined at the hotel once or twice in the past couple weeks and mm-hmm. had danced with Ruby. So he's like a dark haired man. So they're, they're just kind of like, okay, film man, who's this? Is it the Blake guy? Is it Basil Blake? That is the kind of, you're reading it and you're kind of thinking like, who else do we know who's a film guy? 
Yeah. So then as they're talking with him, one of the staff sergeant comes in and they've gotten a report. That they found a burnt out car near a quarry in the area. And there were traces of a charred body inside the car. Uh, and then the, the last Ooh. thing they say is that they think the car was a Minoan 15 or a Minoan 14. Oh my gosh. That's like, that's crazy that the car is off in a quarry and the other dead person's in the library. They must have been yeah. dumped there. Someone just dumped them there. Yeah. No, that's weird. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, yes, now we have two, two bodies. So, at this point, Sir Henry Clithering, so he had been the guy that Jefferson had told his valet to go get. Yeah. He's a friend of Mr. Jefferson, um, and he's also a friend of the Bantries. He knows both of them. And then finally, he's a retired Scotland Yard detective. Oh, So that's okay. why Mr. Jefferson has called him in, because he's a friend and a, like, kind of right. not private eye. And so he arrives, and he goes up to Mr. Jefferson's room, and Mr. Jefferson kind of gives him the lowdown. He gives him all the info that he have, has. And Sir Henry says to Mr. Jefferson that he noticed a little old lady sitting in the lobby of the hotel, a Miss Marple. And he thinks that he knows Miss Marple. He's heard of her work. And he thinks that she's going to be a big help. Why? Because she's like, how did Miss Marple get to this hotel? She knows something. Huh. So, uh-huh. um, sorry, Sir Henry said that? Yeah, Sir Henry. To so watch Sir out Henry for Miss Marple. arrived at the hotel. Oh, okay. So he knows well, Miss Marple. Of Miss Marple. He knows Miss Marple. Yeah, because he's he's heard of like the way she solved cases before. He's worked with her. Okay. Um, I think it, I think the, what that comes up in a short story that I haven't done on the podcast. Mm-hmm. But so Sir Henry knows Miss Marple, and so he had noticed her in the lobby and kind of was saying to Mr. Jefferson, "I'm going to go talk to Miss Marple, and we're going to get her to help because she knows she knows her stuff." Okay. Good. Got to get her in the picture. Yes, we're back. <laughs> so Sir Henry approaches Miss Marple, and she kind of explains to him, um, he wants to hear the village parallels. So that's what Miss Marple is famous for, is like how she connects stories to store, to like things that have happened to people in the village. Oh, uh, okay. Um, and so one of her village parallels is that gentlemen don't like to feel neglected. So she's talking of other men that she saw who if their wife kind of started to neglect them in any way, they got attached to young girls and would start giving them gifts and stuff like that. And so that's kind of what she's saying. And so that's the kind of idea that you're getting about Mr. Jefferson. She's saying Jefferson likely saw the deceased girl Ruby as his daughter and maybe was starting to feel neglected in some way. And so started to kind of shower her with gifts. Oh, huh. Can I explain that better? Do you think? Yeah. yeah well, who does he feel neglected by? Jefferson? We're not sure yet, but um, uh, Miss uh, Marvel's kind of suggesting that maybe, maybe that Adelaide and Mark—they're right. both younger than Miss, Mr. Jefferson. So this this plane crash has happened, and maybe it's five years later now. And Adelaide right. and Mark—they're young; they're ready to move on. But Mr. Right. Jefferson still wants to live in the past. So she's saying uh, if either of them started to kind of move on, Mr. Jefferson might feel that he's being left behind, and right. so that would be that kind of neglected feeling. Yeah, I get it. So, so they don't know yet. This is just Miss Marple I, I, yeah. theorizing. <laughs> but that would sort of, that would tie into what Mark said about um, the, the way out of Ruby dying or something. Yeah. So maybe they feel trapped. Yeah. Okay. Maybe. Um, 
So then Miss Marple says that they need to solve the murder for the Bantry's sake. And she, Miss Marple's kind of pointing out the whispering has already started and it's going to be really bad for Colonel Bantry because she, she's kind of saying, I know how villages work. He's going to stop getting invited to things. Um, people aren't going to want to have him over to dinner before anymore. Um, there's going to be remarks made in the street. Like he's, he's not going to notice it right away, but soon he's going to start to feel the people in the village and how they feel about him. So right. we need to find the real killer because if we don't, people are always going to think that. Right. Hmm. And then she suggests that the body wasn't meant to be found at Gossington, that the plan had gone wrong. So she's not, she's not kind of saying what that, what that is, but that's kind of what she's thinking is that the body shouldn't have been found there. Weird. I wonder why it would have ended up there then. Was it on the way somewhere? Possibly. Yeah. Okay. Was it on the way to the quarry or from the quarry? They, they don't give that information ever. So we're unsure. It sounds like, it sounds like, um, the quarry is in that other district. So Gossington Hall and St. Mary Mead are in one county and the quarry and the dance hall and hotel are in another county. So I don't think they would have been necessarily super close to each other, but possibly. Okay. Um, So the reason Miss Marple is there is because, again, Mrs. Bantry is feeling the same thing. She wants to get the murder solved. And so she's she's brought herself to the hotel and brought Miss Marple along with her. So at this point, so Sir Henry, Sir Henry and Miss Marple are sitting in the lobby and Mrs. Bantry brings Adelaide down with her. She's kind of got her and the four of them go out onto the terrace to meet Mark for drinks. They're having like cocktails. Hmm. Um, and then Mark, we're kind of getting like more info on what Mark's like. And he just goes off that how Ruby was just a common gold digger and that they didn't see it early enough to stop her from doing anything, but they should have known better. Like him and Adelaide should have known better. And he is really kind of talking badly about this dead girl. Like it, it's very. Right. He's glad to see her gone. Yes. He, and he's not hiding it either, even though like the police are around, not that they're sitting there, but you know. Right. So he doesn't seem like he's concerned about them thinking that he killed her. No, he doesn't. No, yeah. he does not. And then Adelaide kind of says um, that she had left Jefferson alone too much. So she's almost like admitting to that like neglect um, that she had been playing too much tennis. So Raymond Starr, that dance guy that was the partner with Ruby, yeah. um, he was not only like a pro- professional dancer, but he was a professional like tennis player too. So he taught tennis lessons at the hotel. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then Mark says, this is the kind of thing that's like, okay, Mark. He says that he wished he'd wrung her neck. If only it had been some other type of girl, for instance, like why, like they're kind of saying, why did Miss Jeff- Mr. Jefferson take an interest in Ruby? Like he had grandchildren or like godchildren. Like why didn't he take an interest in them type thing? Oh, uh, right. But again, Mark just seems like you know, sleazy. Hmm. Self, he's just self-interest. Yeah. 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 It's all like, about me. Yeah. He doesn't care about the happiness of Jefferson. No. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So then suddenly a man arrives and Adelaide like knows him and she goes over to him to meet him. And this guy, his name is Hugo McLean. That's your name, Mm. McLean. And they're all kind of talking, like the rest of the people at the table are kind of talking about him. And it seems like Hugo might be in love with Adelaide. And so he's come to like support her because of this death. Right. Then the valet comes to bring Mark away because Mr. Jefferson had wanted to see him. So now we're just left with Mrs. Bantry, Miss Marple, and Sir Henry sitting at the table. Mm-hmm. And as they're standing there, Peter Carmody, the 
the son of Adelaide comes up to them and he's kind of saying that he has a souvenir of the dead girl. And they're like, what do you mean by that? And he says, oh, well, um, her fingernail ripped off in mom's shawl last night and she had clipped it off for her. And I had asked me to throw it away in the trash, but I'd forgotten to. And so now I have this dead girl's fingernail. Ew, that's pretty creepy. <laughs> yeah so what miss marple says when she hears this is that explains why the dead girl's fingernails were so short mm. has anyone else noticed that or just miss marple oh wait you said they were um, short and painted or something yeah so other people have noticed it but it stuck out to miss marple mm-hmm. apparently um, then Sir Henry mentions the blazing car in the quarry, which Miss Marple and Mrs. Bantry haven't heard of yet. So Miss uh, Marple says, um, Miss Marple says, oh, well, that will be the missing dead girl from Girl Guides. And so they're kind of saying, oh, this, um, it was this girl who had gone missing the day before. She'd been at a Girl Guide rally and hadn't returned home. So her parents had reporting her missing. Um, her name's Pamela Reeves. Um, and Miss Marple's saying that she thinks it's this girl because, uh, the girl guide rally in her house, she would have had to pass through Danemouth to get to her house. So there's possibly like, she would have gone right through the hotel. Hmm. That's a weird coincidence. Yeah. So there's, there's some more confusion about this. I think that we're going to get a little bit more information on that later, but yeah, I, I don't know how to fit that in. So I'll wait. Yeah. So Sir Henry's kind of like looking at Miss Marple going like, how do you know this? And Miss Marple goes, when anyone has committed one murder, he doesn't shrink away from another, does he? Or a third? Ooh. <laughs> What's the third? Well, the th- she's kind of saying the third hasn't happened yet, but these she's oh. connecting these two dead girls together. She's saying they were killed by the same person. Huh. So then we kind of jump to Colonel Melchett and Superintendent Harper. Okay, Superintendent Harper, that's the name of the, the, the second police officer guy from the other county. So they're discussing the two deaths and they're kind of questioning whether they think that the two deaths are connected. Um, and then they confirm that the body in the car had been identified as Pamela Reeves by um, a shoe hadn't been burnt and there was a shirt button that was a girl guide button. So they kind of were able to confirm that it was her through those two things. And right. they also know that she was dead before the car had started burning. So she wasn't burnt alive. Um, so it's still, it's still terribly sad and the mother's like clearly very upset, but she wasn't, at least it wasn't as painful. Oh, the mother would be very upset. So that's George's car, right? Yes, yes. It, it's now been confirmed that it was George's missing car. Hmm. So how would it happen? They're kind of, again, kind of confirming Miss Marple's suggestion that she, the Pamela Reeves, the girl guide, had left a girl guide rally and she had told her friends that she was going to go shopping in Danemouth. And the path she took, like, as the friends left her to go home, the path she took went right by the Majestic Hotel. So they're kind of going, did she hear something that she wasn't supposed to hear or see something? And was that why she was... Um, it would have been earlier in the day that she would have walked by the Majestic. So they're kind of thinking maybe she heard someone discussing their plans to kill Ruby later that night. Huh. So do they think the murder happened earlier in the day, too? No. I think at some point the police call Dr. Haydock to kind of be like, is it possible that the murder could have been like committed later or earlier? And Haydock gets like almost mad at him. He's like, how dare you try and fudge the evidence? I'm telling you it happened to 10 and 12. Um, and if you say other words, you're going to hang the wrong person. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's very forceful about it. So no, 10, 12. But that's, that that's for Ruby or for Pamela? 
that's for Ruby. I'm not sure. Pamela, they had seen the car burning the, I think early in the morning people had seen it. So that's when the car had started burning. The, the morning after the other murder? After, the same yeah, morning, the morning after the other murder. Oh, the morning after the other murder. So like, like a couple hours later, like six hours later. Or something, oh, okay. Possibly. The same day that they discovered, same morning they discovered. Yes, the same morning they the discovered library. the body. A few hours later, someone saw yeah. a car burning. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, or something. I don't think exact times are given, but it is yeah. it's very close. So then Inspector Slack conduct, conducted investigations and like gone to ask all the friends. And there's nothing to suggest that Ruby had any special boyfriend. Like no one can say otherwise. Um, and her old friends can't shed any light on who Ruby would have been, like, hanging out with. They have no idea. Right. Um, and then they also have conducted investigations on Mark and Adelaide and find out that neither of them have very much money left. They're both pretty broke. Adelaide's money was gone before her husband, like, her husband got, like, um, invested all the money badly before he even died. So she had never had any money. Whereas Mark, once his wife had died, he had gambled a lot of his money away. So he was kind of, in- they were saying... With his gambling debts, he was in dire need of money. Oh, interesting. So that's, they're saying they have motive, but then they're also saying they both have, like, they have alibis. Both Mark and Adelaide dined with Mr. Jefferson. when Ruby. So they both had dinner with Mr. Jefferson, and then Ruby had arrived. Mark said he was going to write letters, and then when he came back as Ruby was um, dancing. So it, he couldn't have, like, killed her, right? Right. Hmm. So they confirmed that Ruby was last seen at 10.40 p.m. Um, where, where Mark had returned at that point and that they had played bridge until 12 a.m. when um, Raymond had come by to tell Josie that, that he couldn't find Ruby. Right. Then they then they kind of say that it seems that the film man that Raymond Starr had mentioned was Basil Blake. So we were kind of right in guessing that. Okay. Um, because he did, he had visited the hotel before, like, um, People had, I think, recognized his pictures from a few weeks ago. Um, but the, that night, the night of the murder, he had been at a party until 12 a.m. Like, all the, everyone at the party said he had been there. So there's, like, he can't have been at the hotel. That night. Hmm. That night, yeah. Okay. So then Adelaide and Mrs. Bantry are sitting out on the terrace chatting. And Adelaide's kind of telling Mrs. Bantry that she really likes Miss Marple, which, who doesn't? <laughs> yeah. And... And this is when Adelaide confesses to Mrs. Bantry that her husband had lost all of his money before his death um, and that she had never told Mr. Jefferson because she kind of said, my husband didn't want to tell his father. And so it's not my right to like, he would, he would hate it if I told Mr. Jefferson. So I never did. Right. So she honors her hus- husband even yeah. after he's dead. Yeah. And she also kind of says um, that Mr. Jefferson had treated her as Frank's wife not as Frank's widow. And so she had started, it was, she'd started to feel this like being held back as being treated as this wife, even though like he's not alive anymore. And so she says that this summer she'd felt really rebellious and had started like kind of doing her own thing a little bit more. She feels a little bit guilty, but she also says that she's, she's done grieving and she's ready to remarry again. Right. But that Mr. Jefferson hadn't liked that. And therefore Ruby comes into the picture. Right. Right, the idea that Miss Marple had that that he turned his attention to someone else when the other people weren't yeah. meeting his needs. Yeah, okay. Exactly. So then Mark was speaking separately, Mark is speaking with Sir Henry, and he is just saying the most awful things about Ruby. 
And he was also saying that he really needed the money. So he's kind of putting that open the open. Um, but he also says that he loved his dead wife and he doesn't think he'd ever remarry. Like, but then he says that, um, of course he's seeing other women. Like you get the idea that he's having sex, but he's not going to remarry. Like, don't be ridiculous. Right. He's like, he's going to just it's like the idea, like shop around. Yeah. He's like saying like a man has his needs. So it's, it's, you know, gross. Mark. Yeah. Yeah. So then um, Mr. Jefferson's doctor, I think the police are speaking with him, confirms that his health, specifically his heart, was not doing well. And that's because he had kind of, um, he had thrown himself into work after the accident and he'd really like run his body down. Um, So he's kind of saying it's possible that he could die of shock. Like if he was, if he was spooked bad enough, there's a possibility he could actually die. I think that's crazy. That's a real thing. that a real big fright could stop your heart or something. Yeah. But I guess there you go. It happens in a lot of these books. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. People faint a lot in those books too. Right. And have yeah. to be revived with smelling salts. I didn't even know what those are. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or brandy. <laughs> or brandy. <yeah>. So <laughs> Sir Henry is talking to superintendent Harper and he he's kind of he's assuming sir henry is assuming that jefferson will just revert his will back to favor adelaide and mark he can't see him leaving his money anywhere else and then he also suspects that either of them marrying would change mr jefferson's attitude like if if they got married to someone else he wouldn't leave the money anymore right so then um superintendent harper and sir henry go outside and they sit with miss marple who had been sitting on a bench in the terrace and um, Sir Henry kind of confirms that Miss Marple had asked, how, were there nail clippings in the garbage of Ruby's room? And he confirmed that there were nail clippings found in the garbage. And so he kind of asked Miss Marple, like, what, what did this all mean? And she says that it's one of the things that it, one of the things that it seemed wrong with the body is that the girl had short nails. Because she's kind of saying a girl like that who, like, dyes her hair and does all her makeup and paints her nails, she'd want to have, like, long nails, too. Like, that would be part of her aesthetic to look pretty. So she just thought it was weird. Um, and then Sir Henry goes, you said one of the things that seemed wrong with the body. What are, what's the other thing? And she says that the other, the other thing that was wrong was the dress. Why would she change into shabby clothes to go out on a date? Like if that's what they're presuming that she went out on a date with a boyfriend, she was already wearing a very beautiful dress. Why did she put on like a shabby dress? They like, they call it at the beginning, a shabby cheap dress. Why did she change into that? It doesn't make sense. Right. Yeah. Especially when she's going to be going back to dancing and yeah. Yeah. So she's just questioning that. And then, Raymond had been giving a tennis lesson nearby. And so when he's done, he comes over to like sit and talk with the three of them. Um, And he kind of says that he doesn't much enjoy teaching tennis lessons. He finds it boring, but that work is work and like he needs the money. Um, And that he didn't think too much of Ruby, which we kind of already knew. This is Raymond? This is Raymond. Yeah. Again. Yeah. Um, But yeah, back to the Raymond star, the tennis instructor. And so he's also, he's absolutely shocked that Jefferson was leaving 50,000 pounds to ruby and then he he won't believe that adelaide or mark could have killed ruby like he's like that's impossible they're very good people like i won't like i've known them all summer i wouldn't believe that yeah so around this time adelaide arrives for her tennis lesson with raymond um, and she's with hugo mclean so he comes and sits with them and it turns out he's kind of talking to them it turns out he had been 
the last few days staying close by in town. Like normally he should have been in London or somewhere farther away. Hugo? He's actually just at a cheaper hotel. Yeah, Hugo McLean. He's at a cheaper hotel down the road. Right. Hmm. That's kind of just giving a little bit more um, opportunity. So both men leave. That's yeah, because all the men leave so Hugo's been staying there, but he wasn't at Majestic when Mark and when no. like nobody's accounting for what he was doing between ten and midnight. Exactly. Yes, correct. So then both of the men leave, and Mrs. Bantry joins Miss Marple, and Miss Marple says to Miss Bantry at this point that she knows who the killer is. What? <laughs> So I, I have more to tell you, but I'm going to ask you at this point if you want to give me some of your ideas of what you're thinking right now. Because Miss Marple knows, so. <laughs> okay, well, hmm. I was, one when you said the shabby clothes and the nail clippings and the quarry, I just <laughs> wondered if um, if Ruby was out, you know, went out to the quarry for some reason with somebody. Mm-hmm. Um because she could have and with and with the girl guide I don't know about that I don't know I can't imagine how the girl guide fits into this um but she might have had the shawl of she was wearing the shawl of um Adelaide or whoever broke a nail or that happened some other time wow this is all very confusing <laughs> it's hard when you actually just sit down and think about it right yeah so Adelaide Ad, um, Ruby's nail had kind of like when they were at dinner mm-hmm. her nail had got caught on the shawl and she had clipped it off for her oh. so it was like earlier in the night I see hmm. Hmm. but her nails were all clipped yeah so she was kind of dead so, her... so she must have gone and clipped her nails once she broke one of them we would do that wouldn't yeah, we and exactly but then they find the nail clippings in the garbage that like kind of adds up right Ooh, maybe she was at the quarry earlier and that's how she ripped a nail that got caught on the shawl. Am I stretching? I'm wondering about George well, too. I, I just, George, you know, you didn't really oh, give an adequate yeah. ex- explanation for why he didn't want to give straight answers. I think he knows more than he's saying. Mm. I don't think he's that stupid. He's on. Um, and okay. he seems like, like we didn't really find out exactly what he does but maybe he was maybe he thought he could have a relationship with either the girl he was out hanging about too so i don't know that's all my thoughts no conclusions so you're thinking you're 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 uh you're looking at adelaide and george bartlett as possible suspects um not really i'm looking maybe george bartlett okay, took just him out to the quarry or something it's his car he's got both girls yeah, and then yeah. he reports it missing. So that's a little bit. And then, of course, there's the film guy. Yeah. He's got to tie into this somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Okay, tell me a bit more. So I'll tell you a bit more, and then you can try and guess again with a bit more information. Okay. So Sir Henry, the police have kind of asked, they've asked um, favors of both Sir Henry and Miss Marple, and the favor they wanted from Sir Henry was that he interviewed the valet because they think that the valet would be more likely to share information to someone who's not the police. So he does that, and um, the valet says that the only thing that his that got his master really mad, like normally his master was Mr. Jefferson, was really level-headed, but it really pissed him off when someone deceived him, like when someone was lying. Right. So that's when he would get really, really 
And so then he kind of says there was one day that Ruby and Mr. Jefferson were sitting together chatting and she'd gone to get something out of her bag and a small snapshot, like a snapshot, like um, picture of yeah. someone had fallen out of her bag. And Mr. Jefferson had like jumped on and picked it up and shown it was a picture of a man. And so she had shown it. Um, he had shown it to Ruby and she kind of had said it was nothing, but Mr. Jefferson like pushed her about this dark haired young man. And then, then she's kind of said, Oh, okay. I do kind of recognize him. Um, he comes to dance with me sometime, but I don't know his name. And so that was that. That sounds like the Blake guy. I like the Blake guy. Yeah. The other person who could have done it was Jefferson then mm-hmm. because he's mad, he'd been at really Ruby. mad at Ruby. Yeah. But I don't get yeah. the girl guy, but Okay. True. What else? So then at the police station, Miss Marple is doing her task. And what they've asked her to do is to help them interview all the girl guide friends because they think that she'll be more likely, the girl, like the girls right. will be um, more likely to tell Miss Marple something. Right. And so she picks out one of the friends that um, she's noticed specifically, one of Pamela Reeves' friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and the girl admits that after Miss Marple really pushes her, she knows all the right things to say. And she gets yeah. the friend to admit that Pamela had actually been going to Danemouth that day, not to go shopping, but to meet a film producer. This guy had seen her in town a couple days ago and had said that he really wanted to do, she'd be perfect for role of a new film that he was working on. And he wanted to do like a test run with her on that right. night. And yeah. so he's kind of saying, Oh, you don't need to tell your parents, like, let's not get them worried about it yet. Just like come meet me in Danemouth. And we'll we'll do a test, and then if it goes well, then we'll talk to your parents. Oh my gosh! Okay, that's important to know. Yeah. So the girl is obviously so happy to have gotten this off her chest, but Miss Marple is kind of just shaking her head in disgust. Like this really upsets her. Yeah, yeah, it is. Ups- it's terrible, predatory. Mm-hmm. So at this point, Miss Marple leaves the hotel and she goes back to St. Mary Mead because there's important business for her there. And so she gets back into town and immediately goes to the vicarage to speak with Griselda. So you'll remember Griselda Mm -hmm. was the vicar's wife. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't think I touched on this, but the end of of that book, um, Griselda was pregnant. So now Griselda has a little baby, little baby boy. Oh, nice. And so um, (laughs) Miss Marple wants to get authorized to collect money for charity around town. Um, and so what she does with what that is, is like, um, the, the vicar or the vicar's wife can like give you a little black book and you're authorized to collect money for the charities that the church is collecting for that week or that month or whatever. I see. (laughs) She gets a little black book and she immediately goes to Basil Blake's house. (laughs) Right. And she pretty much, um, the, the girl, like the platinum blonde haired girlfriend girl opens mm-hmm. the door and Miss Marple pretty much forces her way into the house. And, um, Basil Blake isn't there, but the girlfriend, um, is, is, so she's, Miss Marple's trying to get her to give money. And she asks while she's sitting there, um, she's like, oh, I see you don't have a hearth rug in front of your fire. You really should have one because, you know, it stops sparks from flying. And the girlfriend right. kind of goes, oh, we did have one. I'm not sure what happened to it. Huh. Let's see where this is going. Yeah. Um, was was Pamela wrapped in the hearth rug when she died? Pamela wasn't. Ruby was moved there. Yeah. So she's just kind of saying that and like asks, looking for the girlfriend's reaction, but she seems unfazed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when she gets the, the money from the girl, Miss Marple asks, what name should she put in the book? 
And the girl is immediately like, oh, that's why this old pussy came here. Like, all she wanted to know is, like, get more gossip around town. And so she, like, proudly says, Miss Dina Lee, which Miss Marple replies with that she should stop using her maiden name and start using her married name, Mrs. Blake, because she'll get a lot more sympathy around town in the future, which she's going to need. And... Miss Dina Lee is kind of like, why do I need sympathy? What are you talking about? And Miss Marple says, well, when your husband is arrested for murder, you're going to need it. Oh, so it was Blake? Oh, my God. Well, so what act- What happens is, luckily, he arrives right away. So we're going to get from right. a firsthand account. So he arrives home and he immediately fesses up to what happened. So he's telling us that he had arrived home the night before around 2 a.m., and he had found this body of a girl lying on his hearth rug outside of his fire. And he's super drunk. He's just gotten home. Like it's late at night. He's not making good decisions. And he kind of freaks out. And his first thought is that he should move the body to old Bantry's house. <laughs> nice guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so at this moment, the police arrive and they have a warrant for Basil Blake's arrest. So Miss Marple's one step ahead, but they're both kind of on the same track. Oh, really? How, how did they? Okay, how did they determine it was uh, Basil Blake? Uh, well, like they, uh, Sir Henry would have told them about that photograph that fell out, and they probably would have been thinking uh, uh, that it was uh, that it was him. And then also, when the girl guide friend had said that it was a film producer that right. was trying to get like away get Pamela Reeves to come. And yeah. then they went and checked and it turned out he had actually left the party at 11 p.m., not at 12 a.m. as his friends had suggested. They had found like a, a porter or like some, someone like right. that ballet someone who like- Confirmed he left like, early. Yeah. So they're like, okay, we've got this guy. So Miss Marple goes straight to the Bantry's house to let them know the news. And, uh, but she tells them, well, Basil Blake's innocent. And I know that. Who t- says that? Miss Marple, Ms. Marple says, says, well, Basil Blake had said that he had found the body on his hearth yeah. rug. And Miss Marple believes that because she knows who the real murderer is. So she didn't think it was Basil Blake. Uh, okay. She just knew that, that he, he, the real murderer hadn't put the body in the Bantry's house. Yes, exactly. Because okay. as she had said before, she thinks the plan had gone wrong. And that's kind of what I guess she was referring to. Okay. So at this point, there we're about to find the real murderer. So would you like to make another guess what now with this heightened information? Oh gosh. Um, so it seems like we kind of know someone wanted to frame Basil Blake had left the body on yeah. their hearth rug. Yeah. Oh, okay. So who would want to do that is the um, valet. He wanted the money. <laughs> is that crazy? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I think I think the valet would have been left some money in the will, but not a lot. Because um, <laughs> he he's the one who led them to Basil Blake. Mm-hmm. A little bit. We also had the ta- the talk from the the girl guide friend who said it was a film producer. Film producer. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, Caitlin. I have no idea. You're gonna have to tell me. <laughs> It's a tough one. Okay. It's at the end of my work day. I'm like, my brain's a little bit fried. I think if it had been morning, oh, I would have, I would have known the answer. You would have got it immediately. You wouldn't need to do extra help. <laughs> I'm with you. 
So we, we, we get to the end of the story and I think it's everyone sitting around a table and they're asking Miss Marple, how did you know what had happened? And so she's kind of going to now tell her story of how she had figured it out. Right. Um, and she kind of, she immediately knew that the body was wrong, that this body shouldn't have been there. It was very, you know, like heavily made up. All of this kind of stuff was just seemed very off. Um, and then when she'd heard that this other girl had gone missing, um, like the Pamela Reeves girl had gone missing and was found like burnt, mm-hmm. kind of unrecognizable in the car is when she kind of had realized that they had switched the bodies. We, they kind of could tell that Josie was very confused when she had found out that the body was in um, Colonel Bantry's, like the Bantry's house. And that's because she knew that the body was supposed to be in Basil Blake's cottage. And she was the only one that ID'd the body as being Ruby's because she knew that it wasn't Ruby's body, but that she was the only one that could give it a positive ID. I'm confused. So the the person in the library wasn't Ruby? The person in the library was Pamela Reeves. Oh. And so the reason this was important is because there was that whole thing about Ruby. Um, it was it was in order to give um, Mark Gaskell an alibi and Josie an alibi. What they think happened was that they had gotten, they had told Pamela Reeves that they were a film producer and they had gotten her to come down to, to Danemouth, to the Majestic Hotel. Right. And they probably drugged her, like sleeping in the, in the bedroom. Right. Um, and that... They had done the same thing with Ruby. They, like we kind of said that while Ruby was dancing with George Bartlett, she was yawning a bunch. Right. So Miss Marple believes that she probably already was drugged at that point, and so that's why she said she wanted to go up to her room because she was going to like take a nap before her next dance. Right. So they had drugged her, and then so that was that was so that Ruby was seen at ten forty when Mark was already back in the dance hall. Right. Um, playing bridge with Josie so neither of them could be suspected but they were able to kill Pamela Reeves before the 1040 they could have killed her at 10 or 10 30 and then yeah. left her body in the hotel room and then killed Josie sorry killed Ruby whenever and put her body in the car and have it like burnt out so they wouldn't recognize the body and so the reason for this was that um they think that Mark and Josie were in love uh, and that's what Miss Marple is theorizing which she's able to prove they go to like one of the um courthouses and get the marriage certificate for Josie Turner and Mark Gaskell. They proved their marriage. They both had interests in making sure that they kept this money away from Ruby and that Mark would inherit it when he died. Whoa. Whoa. Why did, so Josie, Josie, so when Ruby showed up and Jefferson got interested in her, like they didn't invite her as part of their plan or anything. So that must have gone awry. Josie was really good at like, um, like, you know, um, hosting and playing bridge and doing all these things. Like she was very personable, but they don't think she had the foresight to realize that Mr. Jefferson felt this neglect and was going to grow attached to Ruby. Right. Um, And Mark Gaskell kind of admits that, um, Ruby did kind of have a slight appearance to, uh, his past wife or the, um, the dead daughter. Right. Mm -hmm. So the way they the way they had set this up was um, Miss Marple had suggested to Mr. Jefferson that he should tell both Adelaide and Mark that he was going to change his will the next day to leave all his money to charity. And so what that induces is that they kind of realize Josie and Mark realize they need to kill Mr. Jefferson before he can change his will. And so they catch Josie in the act with a hyperdermic syringe breaking into 
Mr. Jefferson's room. Whoa. Wow. Mm -hmm. So they would have committed that third murder that she... That would have, exactly. So when she says she could think of a third person, it was... Mr. Jefferson. Huh. That's terrible. I thought Mr. Jefferson did it somehow. But I was um, trying to... I didn't suspect Josie at all. Um, obviously, you're supposed yeah. to suspect Mark, but then I thought, well, that's too obvious because he's making it yeah. too obvious. She played you. Agatha Christie played you. Yeah. <laughs> like she does with all of us. <laughs> uh, that's good. Interesting. Oh, I'll be thinking about that for a while, Caitlin. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm glad. Hmm. Thanks for joining me. This was a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. I've maybe got more questions, but since you're my daughter, I can oh, ask oh. you them later. <laughs> Oh, ask uh, when me I now. think I'm of sure them. Everyone else wants to hear them too. Oh, I see. Um, you can't think of them right now. Well, no, I just yeah, I, I'll probably think about other things. Like even the the nail clippings. I'm like, I can explain that. Why is that even? Why was that? So important that was again? important because the girl Pamela Reeves, Miss Marple says she was she was actually a 16 year old Pamela Reeves. She's kind of saying the schoolgirl like that would bite her nails, and so because her nails would be shorter they need an excuse for Ruby's nails to be shorter as well. Because if the body in the library that was actually Pamela Reeves' body, I but was supposed see. to be Ruby's, if right. it had short fingernails, they would have known that it couldn't have been Ruby. Right. So her ripping yeah. her nail, Miss Marple thinks that Josie had kind of made that happen so that it made sense that Ruby had cut her nails. I see. Whoa, that's really yeah. thinking ahead. Yeah, you've really got to be super detail-oriented. So, so they were supposed to find the body in Blake's and then blame Blake. And that would be obvious. Yeah, that was... That was cause, yeah. And it would it would be Pamela in that they would find her? It would, oh. it would have actually been Pamela, but would, um, Josie would have ID'd ID it as Ruby. Yeah. Right. And the, that snapshot that was found that um, Ruby backs and pull out of her purse... They yeah. think that Josie had planted there. And that was a, like another piece of evidence against Basil Blake. And it was almost an accident that Ruby had pulled it out of her purse earlier. Right. Um, Mr. Jefferson had seen it. They yeah. wanted the police to find it in her. I see. So she, okay. Yeah. So when we heard about that, I thought, okay, she she is has a relationship with Basil Blake. Yeah. And so but that's she was why being, Jefferson. She told Mr. Jefferson. When um she told Mr. Jefferson that she had never seen it, she mm -hmm. was being truthful. She had never she right. didn't really recognize the guy. Right. Okay. Good. Very good. So thanks, Tom. That was fun. Thank you. Woo. All our listeners at home, I hope um got parts of the story or guessed it all. And I now have an Instagram. So if you'd like to follow me, that's Tuesday Night Mystery Club on Instagram. Goodbye, everybody. Mm -hmm.